All right, all right, I'm excited to be here. You know, a few weeks ago, Brad asked me to uh, share out of Romans 12. I was like, Brad, we still going to be in Romans 12? Like, you know, that was like three or four weeks ago, and I think we've been in there five weeks, but you know, this chapter, oh my goodness, this chapter, we could be in this chapter till the end of the year. Really, I just, so I'd like to, I want to point out just a couple things in this chapter that I'm not really going to talk about. <laughs> like verse Verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Verse 20, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I've heard Jesus say, blessed are you that are persecuted for righteousness sake, you know, and that, but what really irks me and what I don't understand is verse 15 in this chap, in this little breakdown, in this little section that says, be happy with those that are happy. And I'm like, wait a minute, Lord. What if those people are happy because they're persecuting me? Like, right? Like, th this person keeps abusing me, and I'm like, oh, I want to be happy with you that you're abusing me, right? That doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to leave that section for Brad. He can teach on that in a few weeks. <laughs> Maybe he can help explain that, because to me, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's in verse 6. It says, in His grace, God has given us different gifts, which, which Brad was just talking about, different gifts. Would you say, list nine? There's a whole lot more than nine, though. I mean... You all are gifted in unique ways with unique gifts and different skills. You're all like snowflakes, like spiritual snowflakes. Maybe that's not good. <laughs> but we are all unique. You know, you are unique, have specific gifts, and God wants to use you and your gifts in those specific ways. So I'll note that for Brad also. <laughs> Verse 3 says, because of the privilege and authority of God that God has given me, he says, I want to give you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Have you ever met anybody that thinks they're the nice, long, feathery, flowing hair, <laughs> and they're really that crazy hair off your toe, right? Have you ever met that? A couple of you have met one of those people, right? Pam has, right? Right? So it's a good challenge to you to be like, be real with who you are, right? Be real with who you are. So verse 2 is really the verse that, that I'm going to be looking at and talking about today. Those other ones were all just free for bread. Um, <laughs> so verse, verse 2. Um, let me pray real quick, and then uh, I just want to share with what God's been challenging me this week, or actually a couple weeks. So, um, Father, Lord, I just uh, pray you help me relax. Uh, I just pray that uh, people will hear what you have for them to hear, Lord. I just pray that uh, they'll grab it and see. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, it's funny. I was thinking that I didn't really want the pulpit here this week. I was like, boy, that's going to be kind of weird, Lord. Like, I got to pick up the pulpit and move it. And then I come in, I'm like, that's weird. If I wanted a pulpit, I couldn't even find it to bring it out here. Like, it's gone. <laughs> like, it's gone. Like, what? So the Lord took care of that. Whoever took care of that for me, I appreciate it, right? It says, all right, verse 2. All right, let's get into this. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'm reading now the NLT. Might be a little different. Change in the way you think. So I started thinking, I'm like, oh, Lord, all right, if you need to change the way I think, maybe what I need to do is understand the way Jesus thinks, right? Because I, I, sometimes I don't think the same way Jesus thinks. So I wonder, I was like, Jesus, did you ever have those sounds of doubt and fear? Do you have voices of doubt and fear, right? Because I get voices of doubt and fear. I don't know if you guys... Your day just wanders perfect and everything, or if you ever get doubts, you ever get 
did God really say that to you? Is that really what God meant? Or you're not that good? Or Right? Am I the only one that you, you hear that occasionally, Brad? Okay. So but, but my point is, I was wondering, well, Jesus, did you have to deal with that? And so I was wondering, you know, Jesus had to, the Bible says he grew in wisdom and faith, right? Wisdom and knowledge. And so I'm like, so Jesus, did you have to accept some of this by faith? Like, so I wonder if the, if the doubt ever come to him, like, do you really believe what the Bible says about you, Jesus? Do you really believe it? Do you really believe you're going to make the lame walk? Oh, yeah, that's an easy one to believe, right? Do you think you're going to give the, make the blind see? Oh, yeah, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, of course, I believe that. That's easy to believe, right? You've got to set the captives free. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Well, what about Psalms 22? Psalms 22 says that your hands and feet will be pierced. Hmm. Oh, I don't know if I like this, this one. They, they could see Romans love to put people on trees. I mean, Jesus was not the only one that was ever crucified, right? They like to crucify people, right? So when it says your hands and feet are going to be pierced, it probably was pretty obvious. Jesus could look at that and see like, well, this is probably the way I'm going to die. This is the way I'm going to die. Well, do you believe that, Jesus? Do you really believe that? But you see, I think Jesus knew he came to die. I don't think he doubted that. If you see him, there's, it's interesting. One time late in his ministry, he actually makes the thing to say, hey, it's time to go to Jerusalem. And you see Jesus' mindset change because now he's on a mission to walk to the cross. And actually, if you think about it, he walked to the cross until his physical body, so bruised and beaten, could not carry it anymore. I mean, he, he gave it till his physical flesh could no longer carry that cross, right? Physically, it could no longer cross. So I think it believed it, but then they put him on the cross. And after all that, remember, he's so physically drained, he can't even carry his cross. Somehow he musters, he musters this thought where he says, Father, forgive him. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. See, I don't see the fear and doubt in Jesus. See, I choose to believe him, but then maybe the voice of doubt then is like, okay, you came to die, but what if we move over a few more Psalms? Psalms 34 says you won't break any bones. I don't know about you. I see a lot of people on trees. And while the Romans are really happy to get them on the trees and nail them there, they get tired of them people complaining and crying, and they just come around and break their legs. Break their legs so they suffocate. I'm tired of listening to you crying. I wonder if they use like baseball bats or a mallet or, I mean, if you were getting your shit, you know what they used? All right. Oh, that would not be good, right? That would not be good. Would you, would you prefer for the person that's breaking your legs to break one leg at a time? Or would you hope they would get a clean sweep and do both of them, right? <laughs> that's right, man. Let's just, just go for it, right? It was horrible, right? It was horrible. But you see how this could, this, I think that this could cause doubt, right? Like, I know the prophecy says I'm going to end up on one of these. It's clear. It says I'm going to pierce you up, pierce my hands. But they break everybody's legs that's on there, and another prophecy says I won't break my legs. Actually, the, uh, 
in the Passover. Passover lamb is a foreshadow of Christ. You know, they were directed specifically multiple times, don't break any bones of this lamb. It's going to be a picture of Jesus someday. So it's not going to be broke. So it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense, right? Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever been in life where you're like, I think I was supposed to do this, but it doesn't make sense, right? And you're like, God, I think you told me this, Lord. Oh, but it doesn't make sense to me. And I, I have a um, part of this. Is, I love Jesus' thing, but uh, when I was running an outreach center. I had a lady come to me, and she's like, I've been praying, and I really feel like God wants me to do this. I want to do a remodel down here. I'm like, all right, I don't have any money for it. <laughs> but, uh, and so I prayed with her, and we prayed in agreement. She felt like this is what God called me to do. So she starts working towards this, and then she comes to me. I was getting close to the day, and she's like, I think I just want to quit. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to go. And I'm like, listen, when we first got together, what did you tell me? You told me the Lord told you to do this, right? And she said, yeah. I was like, well, then this is on the Lord, right? This has got to be on the Lord. If the Lord tells you to do something, doesn't he have some responsibility? The Lord's got to figure this out, right? Yeah, Jesus, you're going to have your hands and feet pierced, but somehow your legs aren't going to be broke. And I love Jesus' response. It's in Matthew, Matthew 4. But I see Satan taking, Satan taking Jesus up to the temple, right? And he's like, all right, says you're not going to break any legs. I kind of feel like Satan's like, well, let's jump off there and find out. If you don't break any legs, Satan's like, maybe I'll believe that you're the Messiah and everything. To me, this doesn't make any sense because I don't know if you know this about me, but I hate heights. <laughs> There's commercials on TV that show you heights, and like I jump. I'm like, what the heck? This should be illegal, right? Where's our, where's our government protection from that, right? I don't know. How, that's what I want. But, but so if you ever see me on a roller coaster, this, this is me going up the lift hill. I am like hanging on, my eyes closed. Lord, I have no friend like you. If heaven weren't my home, then Lord, what shall I do? That's, that's what I've been singing for 40 years. Now, I love roller coasters because once you get over, you know, the top of the hill, it's like, woo! No, no, I don't. <laughs> I am not the crazy people to let go and lift their hands. I don't know if you guys are that. That is not me. I'm the one person that's going to be, when that roller coaster goes off the rails and flies, I'm going to be the one person riding that thing all the way to my death. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging on. But I love it. It seems like a contradiction, right? Like, why would somebody that hates heights go on roller coasters? That's because there's a roller coaster at Kings Island called Flight of Fear. It doesn't have heights. <laughs> That's my favorite coaster because I don't have to fear it. So, but it seems like Jesus and Satan, right? And I love Jesus' response in um, Matthew 4. Jesus says, I'm not going to tempt God. I'm not going to tempt God. I'm not going to tempt him. It wasn't like, oh, I want to really believe, because usually if it's me, I'm like, no, no, Lord, I really want to believe, even though I don't see it. I want to believe, but I don't see it. I want to believe, I don't see it. I go back, Jesus is like, no, like, I'm not going to tempt God. Like, Jesus is like, you don't think I could jump off here and not break a leg? Maybe God will have 10,000 worms run to the surface. Well, wait, worms don't run, right? What, what do worms do? <laughs> they dig their way up to the top. All right, so maybe 10,000 worms will dig their way to the top, so Jesus got something safe to fall on, right? God could do that, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> got one believer. But I love, I love Jesus' response. He's just plain and simple. He's like, oh, God said it, and I believe it. Like, 
wow, like that, that is the mind of Christ, that he would actually just choose to believe whatever God tells him. Like, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that, right? I, I, I have a Bible. Can I read the things that God says about me? Does God say I'm more than an overcomer? Does God say that the spirit of the living God is in you and it's greater than what's out there? Why don't I believe it all the time? Why don't I believe it all the time? Does the Lord say he'll supply all your needs? Does the Bible say that? Or, I mean, do we need to look these verses up, right? Have you guys heard these before, right? I mean, what's the Bible say about you? Or what, what does God say about you and to you in your prayer life? Do you just choose to believe that? When you pray and you talk to God and God leads you in something, tells you something, do you just choose to believe it? Or do we doubt? Do we have doubt and fear? I see Jesus in this temptation. He's just like, nah, like, I don't know how it works out. Maybe it doesn't make sense, but I, I'm just trusting God. Just trusting God. And so I'm like, that's why Jesus is a mind freak. To be like, he's just going to openly choose to believe what God tells him openly choose to believe you so brad like when you go out you share all the time you go out you do those things because god tells you something and you step out right so god tells him something he does something jesus is like no god said this about me i'm just gonna believe it i'm like oh, that blows my mind because why do i doubt so much why do i doubt so much and um we've been talking about this uh parable parable of the sower brad's been talking about it multiple weeks I told Brad first time he brought it up, I'm like, man, you're talking about the, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the parable I wanted to talk about in my sermon. You're going to blow it for me, right? But uh, Mark 4, Mark 4 is parable of the sower. sower. And um, I want to read a little bit of it here in a minute. So we eventually we'll get to Mark 4. But just to recall the, the story of the parable of the sower, the sower goes out and sows seed, right? He says he throws some seed on the footpath some seed on rocks, some seed on, in the thorny area, and some on good soil. And we've been talking about being good soil. And I think I want to be good soil, and I think at times I am good soil. You know when I'm good soil? When I choose to just believe what God tells me. Right? Like when God's like, hey, this is what I want you to do, or this is what the Bible says, or I read something that challenges me. I'm like, no, I'm going to believe the word over what I know or whatever I've experienced or what other people's told me. I'm going to choose to just believe God. Choose to just believe God. Like, that's the way to be a mind freak. I'm just going to choose to believe God. And when I believe God, I'm in great soil, right? I'm in good soil. It says it produces 60, 80, 100 times, right? And I'm like, yeah, I want to be in that good soil. But if I'm honest with you, which I hate that God makes me be honest sometimes when I come up here. (laughs) Sometimes I find myself in the other soil. The other soils, actually, the other soils a lot. You know, I think of the first soil, one of the soils, the thorns. It says, the thorns are the cares and the worries of this world, and they'll choke you out. And I remember pre-COVID, this was right before COVID, right before COVID happened, God was telling me that I spend too much time thinking about money. He's like, you're always, you know, doing your budget, always making sure. It wasn't telling me I was being stupid or wasteful or anything. It was just saying, you're spending way too much time focused on your money. I, I am your supplier. I will supply your needs. You spend way too much time 
thinking about money, worried about money when you could be talking with me, you could be in relationship with me, you could be going deeper. I'm like, all right, Lord, all right, you're right. I'll stop, I'll try to relax. I'll try to let that be in your hands. And then the world shut down. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, it just got worse, Lord. I don't know if you know that, but I don't know. And so I was working two jobs. I had two jobs that I didn't work. I worked 20 hours at one. I worked 30 hours at the other one. The one that I worked 30 hours closed down. I didn't get unemployment because I was still working 20 hours. <laughs> I had another job. So my income just went why everybody else is like, ooh, look at all this money the government's giving me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> So I'm like, Lord, this is, the, you told me not to stress about money. Like, is this a joke? Right? It doesn't make sense. To me, it sounds like a contradiction. I'm like, Lord, if you don't want me to worry about money, give me a lot of money. <laughs> right? And right, no, no, you know, like, let me just write, Brad, you want to see, let's write a check. We're doing an outreach. Let me just write you a check, throw some money, right? How we want that's not the way it worked. The Lord reduced my money. And, and so I want to tell you about this. One day I was at Kroger's with my wife. And we're, we're getting a few groceries. And I was not doing very well listening to the Lord. <laughs> I remember being at the register, self-checkout. And I'm scanning something. I could just feel it like, oh. like I knew I only had so much money. And I'm spending almost all of it, like right now. And I'm scanning something, and I'm like, oh, I'm scanning, I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I'm right there in Kroger's, I'm like, Lord, I need help, like, right now, I'm going to freak out on the scanner, <laughs> like, like, Lord, I, like, I need help, and uh, so the Lord started giving me some peace, and I rang us up, and then we spent $82.11, $82.11, all right, so I'm going home, I get this text from somebody I go to church with, and they're like, Hey, this might seem kind of weird, but I stuck a blue envelope on your porch. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Where do you get a blue envelope from? You know, all right, who's got blue envelopes? I'm like, and so I go home, I open up this envelope. This, this will blow your mind. In this envelope, there was four 20s and two $1 bills in an envelope. Like, why... Why would you stick $82 in an envelope? Why would you stick $82 in an envelope? That don't make no sense. That doesn't make any sense, right? See, somebody was listening to the Spirit. Good harvest. Well, meanwhile, I was in the thorns, <laughs> choking out and suffering. But what I love about this story is even though I was in the thorns and I was worried about the cares of this world, somebody still threw me a seed. God was still planting seeds. And so this is kind of really the look at this, at this parable. I want to look at it maybe a little bit differently because I think the thorns represent my life when I, I get worried about cares and monies of this world. It will choke me out. It will steal from my life because I'm worried about things of the world and not listening to what God's telling me, right? Or the rocky area says that rocky area, they didn't get grounded. You know what that teaches me? Because I have learned that getting grounded takes work. Takes work. Bible says you want to draw close. To, you want God to draw close to you. Draw close to God. That takes takes work. Takes an action, right? If I want to know the word, I got to get in the word and pray and read, right? Doesn't this work with anything? If I want to know about the Buckeyes. I got to look at their stats and find out who's starting, right? I have to do work. It just doesn't come, right? And sometimes. 
Sometimes I am lazy. <laughs> Sometimes I'm lazy, and I thank God he did not make me share a story from my life about being lazy because there might be one or two of them in my life. But sometimes I'm lazy. Sometimes I don't do a good job listening to God because I, I'm lazy. Maybe I hear God saying I should do this, and I'm like, nah, I don't know. you know, the Buckeyes are on, Lord. I don't, right? Like, well, I'll read my Bible after the game or something. Or, you know, I used to play this game on my phone. This really changed my life, helping get me grounded. I play this game on my, in my life called Clash of Clans on my phone, right? <laughs> I'm not the only one. All right, Clash of Clans. So look, when I start playing this game, I don't want to play. I don't want to be dumb, you know? I mean, like I get on there online. It's a game online where you get to kill like eight-year-old kids that are playing. I mean, <laughs> you, get, you get attack other people, attack their village, and so you don't want to be dumb, right? I'm always, so I was like, I saved up enough elixir to upgrade this or this. And I'm like, I can't really tell which one's better, right? I want to be smart. And I was like, if I do this, this, and if I do that, that. And I was like, then I had this little thought. What, what if I ask God, you think he'd know which one's better? <laughs> uh, you, all think, you all think I'm a little crazy now, don't you? <laughs> so I asked God, I'm like, all right, Lord. If I spend the elixir on this, this is the advantage that it gives me. If I spend it on this, this is the advantage that it gives me, right? And I heard the Lord say, upgrade your dragons. I was like, upgrade my dragons? And I went and looked at the research lab, and upgrading the dragons was the same price as the other two things, but I hadn't noticed. And I was like, holy cow, like, this is way better, Lord. Thanks, right? I was like, ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, Lord, Lord wants to help me kill little nine, ten-year-old kids online. <laughs> and so, but, but here, see, here's, here's the thing, though. You could say maybe that game was originally in my area where I wasn't getting grounded because I would spend more time playing this game than I would doing searching God, seeking God. And so what happened the next morning, I get up and I'm going to the bathroom. Here I am pulling out my thing to click on my Clash of Clans, right? And the Lord's like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm getting my Clash of Clans. I got to get my gold and oil into my storage units, otherwise people can steal it. He's like, you think that's important? I'm like, yeah, people will steal it. You know that's important. And he's like, you think that's more important than reading my word? I was like, oh, maybe not, maybe not, maybe, maybe, maybe. And so I, so I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to read. I'm going to read in the morning before I get on Clash of Clans, I got to read my Bible. I, I will do that. And to be honest with you, the first few days, I was like, let's hurry up and read so I can get to my clan. <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest, I'm sorry. But as time went on, oh my goodness, sometimes I only check my Clash of Clans in the morning. But I don't go without reading my Bible. Are you kidding? That changed my life so much by choosing. I mean, I've, I've, I've been reading my Bible, I don't know, 30 years. But I did a lot of my reading in the evening more. I never read first thing in the morning. This added it to reading first thing in the morning. You follow me on Facebook. I don't read a whole lot. I read like a thought. I read a thought. It might be three verses. It might be 30. I don't know. I read a thought. And then I ask the Lord, okay, so... These words have come through history, two to 6,000 years, however long they were to written, for me to write it. What does this mean to me? If these words 
are not relevant to me, then I wasted my time reading them. Oh boy, how do you get pastor up here to say it's, it could be a waste of time to read the words of God? That's because it's not. <laughs> I, but if it's not relevant to you, it's a waste of time, right? So I'll take that little thing and I'll be like, all right, Lord, what, what does this mean? What are you trying to say to me within this little aspect? And so then that's my thing for the day. Then I'm like, yeah, that's way better than collecting the gold and elixir to my storage unit. So I kind of feel like God threw me some seed in a rocky part of my life when I was choosing not to give God time, God still threw seed to me and helped me grow even though I was in the rocky soil. Does that make sense to you? And then uh, what's the other? The footpath. The footpath kind of leaves me the impression of being too busy. How many of you ever busy? <laughs> like, like some days I get up, I pray, I read my Bible, and I go and I go and I go and I get home at night and I'd be like, Lord, where you been all day? <laughs> like, Right? Because I get so focused on what I'm doing, what, and it's not bad things. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not out running the bars. I'm not, I'm doing things that I feel that God's called me, but I'm just kind of doing them on my own. Just kind of, I get so busy that I'm just going and, and throw seeds. But what I like to do is take a, just another second to read through this, this parable. I'd like to read uh, 13 through 20 is what I'm going to read. And like I said, again, I'm in the NLT because I remember this whole thing is I'm trying to learn to think like Christ, right? He just chose to believe. Like, this seems so easy, but he just chose to believe even when it didn't make sense, even when fear and doubt come to him. And so I look at this parable, and while I see all the soils, and I see how at times I fit into each one of those soils, and I want to strive to get in the good soil, I'm really trying to learn to be like Christ. So I really want to go back and look at this parable, but I don't want to look at the soils necessarily. I want to look at the picture of Christ or the picture of the Father in this parable. Because this gives us a picture of God and how He responds. Right? And so I'm like, I'm wanting to think like Christ. I'm wanting to be like Christ. I want to believe like Him. So I'm like, I'm going to go back and read this. Uh, I guess 14. I want to start at verse 14. It says, The farmer, which is a picture of God or Jesus, plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only have Satan sealed away at once. The seed that fell on the rocky soil, for those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, remember they didn't get grounded, they don't last long. And they're persecuted for believing God's word. See, and those people are happy about it. <laughs> Just like they were at the beginning. Those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth and the desire of other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who accept God's word and produces a harvest of 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much. And he gave the, if we jump back up a little bit earlier, where Jesus gives the parable before he explains it. Verse 4 says, He scattereth, well, the farmer, verse 3, went out to plant seed. He scattereth seed in the field. Some fell on the footpath. Verse 5, some fell on the shallow rock. Verse 6, some fell on the weeds. Some fell on good soil. You know what seems odd to me? This is how I think differently than God. This is really how I think differently than God. There's four soils, right? 
I think I should put all my seed in good soil. It's going to reproduce 60 to 100 times, right? I'm going to go plant it there. Why would I, why would I throw seed on the footpath? But if you look at the story, God, which path does he put more seeds on? What's it saying there? Does he distinguish? It does not distinguish at all about where he plants seed or how much he puts it on. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me, Lord, right? Like, like I want to put a seed in good soil. And I've even talked with some preachers where, where I've heard them say things like, those people are never going to accept Jesus. We, waste, we don't want to waste your time with them. And I'm like, like, that's not the picture I see of Jesus, right? If I start to accept the mind of Christ and I start to choose to believe what Jesus said about me, then I'm going to start to be like Jesus. And when I see Jesus, not distinguishing where he plants seed. Isn't that, isn't that odd? Like, in my mind, I want to go to the good I want to go plant, get and let this grow. But he's planting. But then in my life, I see how when I've been in those, when I've been thorny, he's still throwing seed to me. Think about your life. When you've been down and out, does he still throw seed to you? Is he still calling to you? Do you think there's anybody out here in this world he's not calling to? You think there's a field where God's like, oh, that seed's not worth planting. See, that's a little different mindset than me, right? I want to just do what's good. I'm like, ah, oh, let me go harvest a bunch and I'll let them thorny people deal with themselves. <laughs> but that's not, that's not Christ's picture. That's not his mind, right? You see his mind, he's like, no, I came to save everybody. Right? Doesn't the Bible say he's wanting all to come to repentance? Wants none to perish, right? He's calling to all. So then in my mind, I'm like, man, Lord, I want... How do I get to the point to where I'm not seeing the field, I'm seeing the seed I'm planting? Right? Because if I see the thorny field, I might not want to plant seed. If I see rocky ground, if I see somebody that's opposed to me, what about if I see somebody that is opposite of me politically? Do I see that they're in that field, or do I see that they need seed? What about people that are just hostile toward me? This chapter says what, people are going to persecute you. People are going to punish you. Your job is to be happy with them. <laughs> All right, Lord, I don't know about that. Well, happy with them, that's because if you plant seed in somebody's life, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what that means? If you're able to speak the Word of God. This just, this just blows my mind to think if it's a possibility that you can talk with God in prayer. And maybe it's a possibility you can hear God in prayer. Then maybe it's a possibility you can actually speak what God would have you speak. Too often I'm looking at the soil and not having the mind of Christ to speak what God wants to speak to somebody. What more could you really give somebody? I usually tell people I have, a, I have a goal in life. My goal in life is to help you with your relationship with Father. And sometimes that's introducing. Sometimes 
occasionally I get to run into people that have never prayed, have never met God, and maybe I get to do an introduction. A lot of times I get to talk to people that are, think God's mad at them, that He hates them, they get the, because of what they've done, and don't get me wrong, I've done my fair share of things. If God should hate anybody, it should be me. And I have to tell them, like, no, God loves you. But all too often, the church has got focused on the soil. Oh, we don't want to reach to those people. We don't want to call to those people. God can't save those people. Or do we choose to believe like Jesus? Like, no, no. The Word of God said, and that settles it for me. Now, there's another verse I'd like to share. It's in Matthew 4 also, or Mark 1. I'm not going to turn there. You're going to you're going to recognize this verse. It's a short little verse. It's the same verse in, in both contexts. But, you know, I, I, I'm going to sing it rather than <laughs> read it. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. You know, some of that is so hard, but some of that is so reassuring to me because there's a part of me that wants to help reach the lost. There's a part of me that wants to do God's will, but the pressure's not on me. It's not my job to save Utica. They probably wouldn't listen to me anyways, <laughs> right? But it's not my job to save my family. It's not my job to save them. You know what my job is? Listen to Jesus. Jesus says, if I follow him, he will. He will. That's what, Brad, when you go talk to people, when you listen to Jesus, what does he make you? A fisher of men. You don't even know how it happens, do you? He's like, Lord, there ain't nobody in here worth fishing for in Planet Fitness. <laughs> but then the Lord will tell him something, and then as he moves, seed is sown. See, so we're talking about having the mind of Christ. And what I see in the mind of Christ is the first thing. He just chooses to believe. <laughs> That's so, that almost seems too simple. Too simple. God said it. I believe it. That settled it for me. Jesus is like, no, I'm not tempted. I'm not testing God. I'm not testing God. He said it. I'm just going to simply believe it. What's God said about you? What's God said about you? And then you can see the results of somebody that believes like Jesus because we, we act like Jesus. And Jesus has always been, it's funny that Jesus has always been about redemption. He is always about redemption. He's not about punishing. He's not about beating you up. He always wants to bring you into restoration with Him. He always wants to lift you up. He's always trying to move you. He's always trying to... So then in turn, that, that's our job. So I see as, as I choose to believe Christ, and then I choose to start listening and following, He naturally makes me a seed thrower. Naturally makes me a seed thrower. And then... I'm going to reread verse, verse 12, or Romans 12, 2, kind of our, our text for today. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by choosing to believe what the Word says about you, 
by choosing to believe what God says to you in your prayer life. Change your life. It'll change your life. If you could just grasp that, that would change your life. Choose to believe what God says about you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. You know what God's will for you is? Throw seed. That's what Christ came to do. Throw seed. The whole world. He came to throw seed through the whole world. Guess what you are? Seed thrower. If you have the mind of Christ, guess what you're doing? Throwing seeds. Right? Everywhere and anywhere. And what I love the story, it's not in one area of your life. Sure, it can be easy to come here and I can stand up here and throw seed and be like, oh, this is easy to throw seed here. But then to go around some of my family and try to be a positive light, uh, that might be a little more challenging, right? Or to go to my job and be a positive, uplifting thing. And maybe in my job, I could be in my prayer life and maybe God would give me something to speak to my coworkers. You know? So it's about your whole life, or whole aspect of life. See, that God's will for your life then you will learn to know God's will for you. God's will for you is to sow seed. God's got great will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if you really want to be a mind freak, choose to be like Christ. Choose to believe what Christ says about you. Choose to believe what the Word says about you. And then just follow Christ. I mean, it almost sounds too simple, right? come to church, I want to get something that's going to help me and be deep in revelation and everything. But you know what? It's just about learning to follow Christ. If you today will choose to believe God and you will choose to listen to Christ today, you can sow seed today. Make a difference in your world today. Today is the day to make a difference. And so we have an outreach coming up, two weeks, well, 13 days, 13 days, October 1st, we're going to do it at Memorial Park in Utica, which last year, I know we did it here at the church, we're intentionally trying to do it in the community because it's one of the things I want to go to one of the fields and just reap what is there. And there, there may be people that come from all aspects then we might run into people that go to church. We might run into people that's heard about Jesus. But we might run into people that's like, I don't even know about this Jesus thing. Like this is an opportunity for us to go down there and just sow seed. And I don't care who comes. I hope they all come. I hope they pack out this whole town of Utica and bust our bounce house and everything. <laughs> but we need you to be there. Here, here's Here's one of the real kickers is I have to work. I'm not even going to be there. <laughs> so I really need you even more, right? So we're going to have sign-up sheets out the back so that you can't escape. <laughs> but I would really like you to not only sign up, but I really need you to come down that day with the mind of Christ. I need you to be mind freaks. I need you to be like, I'm going to believe what God has said about me. And I'm going to be in fellowship with Christ, and I'm just going to follow Christ. I don't care if it's bouncing in a bounce house, face painting, playing cornhole. Those are just the fields that were down there. It's the Word of God that we're going to be able to share with people. 
is the real value of what we're doing. And so I hope you all sign up, and uh, hopefully I'll see you all out there. Brad, this